Broadcasting live from Jensen Eccles' jawline, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. And I'm Soldier Boy! <laughs> I was thinking, were you going to go, were you going to do a butcher voice? Were you going <laughs> to, oh, I don't know. I, I, I think we've got a lot to pa- unpack with Soldier Boy and Gunpowder and all our new soup friends, but, um... Before we get too much into that, I think we should dive into our other superhero news and all, all the rest of the good stuff we got here. Yes, except not good stuff. To oh, start not out starting with. with good stuff, no. Because um, we've actually got two. It's that's that's one of the detriments of having been gone so long off the air is that we have two unfortunate passing away of prolific actors. First of which is Paul Sorvino, fan favorite here on the show, obviously in classics mm. like Goodfellas and The Firm with with Thomas Cruise and Gene Hackman. But I think most fondly remembered by us as Eddie the Mobster. In the Rocketeer, uh, truly a, a role of a lifetime. I, I'll remember. I'll remember him fondly. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I I adore Goodfellas. I think it's incredible. But like, I'll always remember him as our all-American Nazi-killing mob boss guy in the Rocketeer. <laughs> He's so good. I mean, there is so much gravitas that he lends to his role. Oh, yeah. I think that that is the big draw to me with Sorvino is that, I mean, Goodfellas, obviously, he's this big heavy mob guy when he's, when he's cutting the garlic <laughs> with the razor blade yeah, yeah. in prison. But in films like The Rocketeer and The Firm, those are movies that really he's not in that much, but you need weight behind those roles because you need to be scared to death of these guys and you need to believe that they are the most powerful men in America. And damn it if I don't just, I'm scared but I always like him. He's always like a role of like aggressive violent power in some way but I'm like you know, this guy seems like if you're his friend, he would love you forever. I don't know. He might not make an honest buck, but he's 100% American. <laughs> All American, baby. And he doesn't baby. do business with no two-bit Nazi. <laughs> oh, God. Love it. When we eventually do our third Rocketeer episode, we will we will abs- we'll shine lights on him yet again. <laughs> I think I would love if we clipped together everything we've said about him from our Rocketeer episodes. It's just us praising his patriotism, Garrett. It's all it's all in the patriotism. <laughs> hey, these colors don't bleed, you know. <laughs> but he will be severely missed. I'm sad that we won't get any more Paul Sorvino. Oh, also, father of Mira Sorvino, I think worth bringing up. Also said to TMZ that he wanted to kill Harvey Weinstein if he ever got out of prison. So also good, good for man, him. Good man, good <laughs> man. Up next, though, another passing of a legend, Nichelle Nichols, uh, of course, widely known for originating the role of Ahura in Star Trek, uh, has passed away at, this is like fresh, fresh news. Yeah, just We got this just, just announced. before recording, and she was 90 years old. Yeah, she I, I, an absolute piece of sci-fi history, television history, acting history, just in general, she was, uh, she was very prolific and a powerhouse for sure. I didn't see much Star Trek in my time, but everything that I've seen 
of her in those episodes and those movies is is very very well done. I think she and Nimoy are definitely the two best actors on the OG Star Trek. Yeah, and you know it's not that hard of a contest for them, but man, they they stand out all the more because of it. And not that Roddenberry wasn't writing progressively for his time and everything, like he really was. But I think that she also lends. Speaking of bringing gravitas to a role, she lends a character who would otherwise be kind of a sideline character. I mean, she that's the big three in Star Trek, right? It's its Kirk, it's Spock, and it's Uhura. And so yeah. it's like, I think that's a pretty big deal for the way that she was able to make that character so iconic, especially in a show where everybody else is cut. Like, she's literally a red shirt, you know? <laughs> yes, she wears yeah. red. Yeah, and Actually, she... she was 89. She was 89. 89 I'm sorry. 89. I just double-checked that. Or She was born in 32, but she had not had her birthday yet. So she was 89. Well, I know that she was working all the way up until like 2020 doing, doing film still so I, I I think that she always I, I would be interesting to see some of her later roles now I, I I'm sure she kept up that incredible acting and that incredible spirit that she had in, in those roles through, throughout her life so I'm, I'm glad that she kind of got to keep doing what she loved all the way up until up until her passing me too and we will circle back to her more during our pop culture reference so stay tuned and now folks we are recapping a major event that we missed in our time gone we are talking talking a lot of soups today it's all of the basically it's all the marvel news that we need to catch up on right now from comic-con that that happened just uh last week i mean are we going are we going by phases here do we do we i don't even know what i don't don't chop it off that's the thing i think (laughs) you and i have the same attitude about this which is like this is so much to dump at once and i think we're like we're people that are already tired of marvel (laughs) stuff And so it's like, they're like, here's the next five years of Marvel stuff. Isn't it going to be great? There's a thousand things coming out. And when you think about the fact that we'll, we will get to the actual news in a second. I'm sorry. For the <laughs> no, no, but no. in the first three phases of uh, Marvel stuff, there's roughly a little over 40 hours of content. In phase four so far, there is roughly 40 hours worth of content. It's just too <sighs> much. It's you a can't lot. keep up with it. And that you and I were talking about that before the show. It's like we haven't seen Eternals yet. I don't care about seeing Thor, which is an insane yeah. thing to say. Me, me neither, I've really. I've been seeing Thor movies since my 12th birthday, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just, we're tired. We're old men. I can't, like, I, I, I didn't, I never finished Moon Knight, you know? I, I, <laughs> do you remember Moon Knight? That's still a thing uh, out there. I, I would like to not. Miss Marvel, I'd like to give a shot. I mean, people seem to really like that one for the people that watched it. I... I don't know. I, I, there's so much to do now, and now we're getting just buried in it, and it's going to be a, a slog to get caught back up. But we've come here, and we've picked out some of the things that we are actually interested in, excited about, or maybe are, you know, too big not to talk about. So this is this is all under the umbrella of the end of Phase 4 plus Phases 5 and 6, which will take us through the end of 2025. It's going to take us through the end of, like, 2030, realistically, but yeah, that's... Yeah. That, that even 2025 seems like an eternity of this stuff. So first up, we have, I think, the best thing that came out of Comic-Con for all of us. 
who didn't get all the exclusive trailers and all the clips and everything, which is the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer, which I found incredibly powerful, really gets me excited about what this could be, especially with such a troubled production, not even with the passing of Chadwick Boseman, but also, you know, there were so many COVID problems. I know Letitia Mm. Wright was a real pain on this. Yeah, there was all that stuff. But everything looks beautiful. It looks great for, it looks like a real movie and not like a Marvel movie in terms of its color palette, its cinematography, but also I know that there are some times that these trailers come out and they look great. Like Shang-Chi is a great example of this. They look fantastic and then you get to the movie and the color they've actually changed the color palette and it's grayer <laughs> and duller than it was in the trailer. Yeah, but, yeah. But um, all your faves are back, it seems like, all of our Wakandan friends. Plus, Namor and the rest of the Atlanteans seem to be here, so yeah, that's gonna that's be interesting. really it's crazy. Black Panther The Way of Water is coming out in November right now. It's head-to-head with Avatar, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a lot of uh it's going to be a lot of talking about however they decide to take uh, T'Challa out of the MCU. I it's very clearly a, I mean ceremonies and probably funerals are how this is going to start a lot of emotions, I'm sure, incredibly real emotions from all these actors who got so close with with Chadwick Boseman over the time they spent together and it's it's going to be pretty intense, I think. It seems like it's going to be a lot more of like internal Wakanda kingdom struggles going on right now and I think that's some of the stuff that interested me the most in in all of the other Black Panther stuff we've gotten so far. It's not worth sifting through the hours of cheering to watch this <laughs> panel coverage but I do think you should go see if you can find um, anybody who's interested watching Coogler and the cast talk during the panel about Chadwick Boseman and on the red carpet and stuff too. It's, it's clear how much respect is going into this project and I really hope it works out because I mean Ryan Coogler's amazing. Mm. This is genuinely one of the best teaser trailers I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, it's it's a Marvel trailer that doesn't give you everything that's going to happen, interestingly enough, and, you know, they, they tease out a lot of fun stuff. Like you said, the Atlanteans are doing their thing, and we get a little Ironheart uh, sneak peek for for a, a quick second there. It's I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm more excited about this movie than I, I have been through all of the other things I've been hearing about it, so I... I, I November seems also insane close all of a sudden so I, I I'm gonna be pretty excited to see this over like my thoughts on a Thor 4 or an Eternals which is another thing I'm actually worried about with like this is so late for this trailer to be dropping I think like July for a November release as opposed I would have expected to see a teaser in like May so I'm just wondering about they if could have been just storing it up for comic-con stuff and they wanted to really go big with this one I mean they, it's this and a ton of other crazy stuff they talked about this time around so maybe Maybe they were really just trying to to really hype the train up. Very possible. Very possible. Next up on our list of Marvel news here, we have UWM alum Shakuti Wuji to play High Evolutionary in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And he came into the panel with that in, like, full costume. He looks awesome. It's very, very crazy. And I know this guy is a like a Shakespearean trained, like a Shakespeare theater company veteran actor who's coming into this villain role right now. I think it's going to be kind of a wild, uh, it's going to be a wild one. They're going to have some weird fun with that. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a more memorable villain, maybe one that'll stick around for more than one movie. I mean, Marvel villains, UWM is churning them out, you know? Oh yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, I, uh, I'm too, I'm something of a Marvel villain, truly. <laughs> 
uh, this this could be us, Seamus. We too could be Marvel <laughs> villains. I could be a one-off Marvel villain. That's that's easy enough. I've seen it done enough times. We we get the formula. You're like Walton Goggins. Step aside. It's, <laughs> it's Seamus' time for Ant Man uh, three. Did Walton Goggins get killed in that Ant Man movie? Is there a chance he'll come back? Yeah. Oh, dude. I think about it the way I think about Sam Rockwell in Iron Man two. <laughs> probably like I mean he's alive but he's probably never getting heard from again yeah though, yeah I mean Sam Rockwell does a great job with what he's given and Walton Goggins does not quite get to transcend the boundaries of that terrible script mm, sadly but yeah this is really exciting I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is by far the thing I am the most excited for in this entire inventory here because those are movies that I think are actual films. I think they really yeah. oh, have yeah. something to say, and they are invested in their characters in a way that most of the Marvel movies are not. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, we say this every time we talk about Marvel, I think, is, to me, the greatest height of what Marvel can do. I think it's really emotional and powerful and smart and funny and has actual themes running through it. Which is yeah. more than I can say. I mean, can Black Panther, imagine? of course, is wonderful. Uh, in ter- like, it's a great script. But I think a lot of it is let down by mediocre CGI, which, I mean, that has been something we didn't talk about in news exactly, but this has been a huge conversation point of the last few months about how many CGI special effects firms hate working for Marvel because they give them no time, they want mm. so many options, they want last-minute changes, they want it to all look homogenized and samey, and that, and this was all, like, really fueled by Taika Waititi, went on, I think, Vanity Fair, and trash-talked the Korg CGI in the clip that he was reviewing, and so I know a lot of VFX companies are really upset about the way Marvel has been treating them lately, hate doing work for Marvel, and I can only imagine how daunting this lineup looks to those firms that know they're going to get slammed with all of this awful work. It's really disappointing. It's really sad, I think. Yeah, you hate to hear the consistency of working with Disney and how that usually goes. But, I mean, hopefully now that more attention is being brought to it, that will mean that people are going to be taking a step back a little bit and analyzing exactly how they can make this a more ethical pipeline of production because it's not on the vfx artists like this is not their fault in any capacity like oh, if absolutely they're not turning in subpar work it's because they are given completely unrealistic expectations and compensation well yeah let's hope that this next onslaught of these 90 percent cgi projects aren't aren't just gonna be killing these guys because they're the the heart and soul of this when it looks good it looks great and you can you can tell the amount of work going into something like that is just over the top so i i would I would prefer people to respect their artists, I guess, the people they work with. I, I, that might be crazy in, in an industry like <laughs> that, but I, 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 would, I guess I would prefer that. I completely agree, Seamus. But I think the other thing that we're probably the most... I don't want to speak for you, of course. I was actually... That's but, how I was going to transition us, Garrett, so you go right on ahead. Beautiful. <laughs> the thing that we're probably the most excited about, other than the Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe, is that there is an 18-episode Disney Plus series coming in the spring of 2024, Daredevil Born Again. And it's also going to have Charlie Cox reprising his role as Matt Murdock from, spoilers, Spider-Man No Way Home... Apparently, he's also going to be in She-Hulk and another project. I think Echo, maybe. 
And then, of course, oh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin from the original Daredevil Netflix show, also going to be in... I think he's also going to be in Echo, and he was previously in Hawkeye. So, how much of this is tied in directly with the Netflix Daredevil show? Who knows? Is it going to be a kind of reboot of the Netflix Daredevil show? Is it just going to be in-universe, and it's like they're kind of adopting that into canon again, even though it wasn't... It was when it started, and then it wasn't, now it might be again. <laughs> like, that's, um, that's what I'm most excited about for this show is the justifications episode one what are we talking about we talking about spider-man are we are we cutting straight to kingpin during christmas time are we are we going all the way back to to the netflix footage i mean they danced around it so much in the original shows and that was one of the things that i kind of loved about them was just like the absolute slap in the face vagueness of just like that one thing that happened in new york oh why is everything destroyed? You know, you know, and it's like, okay, I guess. The green guy. The green guy. The guy, guy with the hammer. <laughs> the guy with the oh, suit. So funny. So funny to me. So now they can just absolutely just like lay it all out on the table. And I, I'm very interested to see how they're doing that. And and now I can I can go back and finally have a, a legitimate excuse because I never finished those Netflix shows. I made it to Defenders. I watched everything to Defenders and like started Punisher. And that's where that's where I was gone after that. I I literally stopped when they released Defenders. I didn't watch Defenders. I didn't watch because that's when I went to college too. That's when we both went to college. Was Defenders came out and we went to college. Is that true? And Good so God. it was like I was like all of a sudden I don't have time for any of this now. And <laughs> well, so honestly, like it wasn't that good of a show. Two of so. Luke Cage. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's season two of um, Luke Cage. Season two of Jessica Jones. I never saw. Yep, I I never saw season three Daredevil even actually. So me neither. That was after Defenders. I'm just I'm I'm very uh, gone from it. But now I think there's a, a rich well of stuff they're going to be pulling from for all of this new Charlie Cox stuff. So I I think I think it's time we get caught up, Garrett. I completely agree. That sounds like a great time to me. At least for like four or five seasons of it, and then we'll see how it goes. But you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next up on this list of Marvel news, because it's never-ending, is the Captain America New World Order announcement coming May 2024. There is nothing but a logo, folks. We've got nothing to work with here. I mean, we can speculate. It's obviously going to be a lot of uh, new Captain America Sam Wilson, I assume, trying to, like, settle into the government as new Captain America. But, I mean, we already kind of did the corrupt... Shield Hydra influence stuff, so I, I I don't I don't know what they're really the angle is on this one. Well, some of the images released at Comic Con also had Sharon Carter in them, so I'm assuming this is going to be a pretty direct sequel to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, do you think this is when we're finally going to get the Dreyfus team up moment? We're gonna get we're gonna get you know Soldier Boy and or uh, no God oh God no wait a minute U.S. Agent sorry. <laughs> I mean, basically. Basically, <laughs> basically knock, knock off Captain uh, America. No, I think he's going to be... We didn't talk about this in our in our recap here, but we Thunderbolts got announced, so I feel like that's going to be U.S. Agent and uh, and Florence Pugh and whoever else Julie Louis-Dreyfus is going <laughs> and scooping up. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think that this is going to be a very interesting 
direction, like, this is going to define so much of what Marvel is going to be, I think, because Captain America is their longest-running franchise, other than Thor at this point. And, and definitely... I'm, I'm doubting after the reception that Love and Thunder got that <laughs> yeah. we're going to get any more Thor. <laughs> Watiti is out. Um, He's on the streets right now. Yeah, so... I think this is, I mostly put this in the dock because I'm glad that after so much of the backlash surrounding Sam Wilson becoming Captain America, that they are actually sticking to their guns and actually doing a Captain America movie with him because it would be pretty easy for them to not, I feel like, and just stick him in the Avengers movies or give him his own show or something. But no, they're like, no, he's Captain America. He's getting a Captain America movie. So that's nice, I think. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting, and you, I've always you know, all the all those Captain America movies have always been like. I mean, obviously they're not Avengers movies, but they are the big pivot movies before an Avengers movie, and like I think that this is going to be an interesting way to kind of seep ourselves into the real direction that they've been meandering towards with all the shows and stuff so far. Hopefully, because I mean, go back and listen to our Doctor Strange episode where we go <laughs> off about how we feel like there is no direction, and honestly. I don't think any of this has shown me anything that makes me believe that there is a direction going forward. They're dubbing this the multiverse saga for oh, yes, uh, 4, yeah. 5, and 6 because 1, 2, and 3 were the infinity saga and now this is the multiverse saga, but that just says to me that there's no focus. I don't feel any kind of focus still from the trajectory that we're getting, but actually this is a perfect time to transition us because the last thing that they announced was how phase six will be end capped that it will be kicked off with the fantastic four which we still don't have a cast or director for and it will end with this is going to be the most excruciating thing i've ever said (laughs) um there are two avengers movies coming out one in may and one in november of 2025 so not even a full year we don't even get a full year break Avengers the Kang Dynasty, and then second, Avengers Secret Wars. So, obviously, Kang, who was set up in Loki and then is going to be in Ant-Man, is going to be the big bad, except... I think Secret... I, I, are you familiar with Secret Wars in the comics at all, I, Samus? I know people talk about Secret Wars, but I really don't know anything about it. I know, I know, like, Secret Invasion is a thing with the Skrulls. Is that is that connected? Which is also... That's already happening. That's, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, we didn't put that in here. They talked about it. It's a TV show. It might be all set during the blip. Sam Jackson is there. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but I'm wondering if... Kang is going to get murked in Kang Dynasty, and then the real big bad, Doctor Doom, yeah. steps up in Secret Wars. Is that That's is Secret Wars, is that is that more uh, Fantastic Four focused? It's extremely Doom oriented. He has a huge role in the oh, Secret right Wars Oh, right on. Event. Awesome. Not to say that that means he's going to be in it, like, in the, the Infinity War and everything with the Infinity Gauntlet, the comics, Adam Warlock is a huge part of that in the comics. He's not in those movies at all, obviously. So you never know. That doesn't necessarily mean Doom's going to show up, but if we're doing Fantastic Four and then transitioning into Secret Wars, that seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, more than likely, for for sure. I think besides Galactus, Doctor Doom is the other big, bad Marvel villain that I've been been really itching for, and I'm... Maybe he'll show up. Maybe it's both of them. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do a Spider-Man 3 where there's like four major villains at once and we'll we'll just we'll roll with it and and we'll all I mean 2025 we're going to be in a Marvel coma by then. Good god. <laughs> it's it's going to be unfathomable to try to like recapture that endgame energy, that Infinity War energy. We're just going to be so tired. I'd like a Pedro Pascal Doctor Doom, I think. I think that's Ooh. who I'd like. 
redeem himself from Wonder Woman two. Get get him get him in the good Wonder side. Wonder Woman stuff. is not his fault. I he know, is great in that I know. Movie. He's I mean he's the only entertaining part of that movie, maybe, but our last bit of news, you know, we just ate our Marvel vegetables and now we get to talk <laughs> about the good stuff. Yeah, something I was so happy to see you texted me the other day because we were just talking about how Apple TV has been putting out nothing but absolute bangers and nobody cares about it for some reason. And so this information that both Kurt Russell and his boy Wyatt Russell are going to star in a Godzilla television series for Apple TV Plus and that is just... That is an insane piece of news to me, just to even re-say out loud. It's apparently set between, allegedly, we don't have very much information, between the 2014 Godzilla movie and when Godzilla re-emerges in Godzilla vs. Kong. It never even occurred Sorry. to me that it was in the same canon as the current Godzilla-verse. <laughs> never even <laughs> occurred to me that that's what was happening here. My god. Speaking of which, I forgot um, to put this in the doc. Adam Wingard, director of Godzilla vs. Kong, coming back to direct the sequel. No kidding. That's awesome. So, I, I really like Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't, but I like Adam Wingard, so, okay. you know. I liked the fights in Godzilla vs. Kong. Excuse my, excuse my faux pas. As you will listen on the podcast, I did not. Um, <laughs> if you go back and listen to our Godzilla vs. Kong episode... I don't think they're fun, really, to be honest. I think they could be better, especially the end. The end is awful. You know what? Probably need to rewatch it. Maybe I'm thinking of my hype for the second Godzilla standalone movie. Which Maybe one is Millie Bobby Brown the hype, in? All of them? Uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> she's only she's in Godzilla 2 and Godzilla vs. Kong. Okay, okay. And I think you're thinking of the hype for Kong Skull Island. The oh, objectively maybe. best that movie's great. movie. Oh man, I let's rewatch uh, let's rewatch Godzilla 2000 together, buddy. I think I think it's time with Matthew Broderick. I think yeah, I think we could do that. <laughs> I think I'd rather watch that than Godzilla vs Kong anyway. Wow, but... wow, that that is like have you seen you've seen Godzilla 2000, right? Never in its entirety, actually. I've oh, only, only buddy. seen it in like 20 minute clips on videotape. <laughs> oh my god. All right, now, okay, now I'm being more serious. We should actually really watch that. That movie is atrocious. Well, it's so good. when Broderick shows up halfway through the Kurt Russell <laughs> show, and he's like, I hear you need a scientist. Broderick was his secret brothers with Brian Cranston's character from the first Godzilla. That's how we connected <laughs> over. Oh, perfect. Perfect, honestly. I don't even remember anything else about Brian Cranston's <laughs> character from the first Godzilla. So you yeah. can just tell me that's the truth. He dies like 20 minutes into this movie. He was the only part he, of the he, promo for that movie. He's maybe Aaron Taylor Johnson's dad? No. Maybe? Wait, doesn't he have a dad in the other movie? Isn't that what the... Oh, no, he's trying to find his son? I don't Aaron even Taylor, remember. No, because he's got Elizabeth Olsen's his wife. Right, right. And they've got a kid. Oh, that... Okay, But there's yeah. also a kid that he's protecting... Oh my god, we, we have to rewatch all of them. <sighs> How much of this are you cutting? <laughs> None of it. This is the Godzilla special of The Boys Season 3. Uh, yeah, this is not a thing I remember a lot about, because <laughs> the only one of those movies I like is, is, is Kong's Skull Island. Island. It's I the mean, only one. Th th I, I will stand by the second Godzilla, and maybe it was my IMAX experience, because my eardrums were just I, bursting from that roar. But I like, think it was. Dude, that movie's Awful. Really? I'm sorry. Uh, is it? I gotta rewatch it. God. Uh. My boy Miles Dice is 
is in it for like two seconds is playing it? the old version of Corey Hawkins. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that yeah. should have been the whole movie. Dude, that should have yeah, been the whole movie. That sucks that they sidelined. That would have been so much better. Okay, I can't. I'll we, I'll take us down a monster first rabbit hole if I say the thing I'm about to say. Okay, so all right. We gotta, we're going to move on to the boys. I can't. I'm not even going to attempt. A come on. Oi. Come, oi. He, he yeah, talks I like this. It. I can't do And then it. he asks Carl a rhetorical question at the end. Don't I? Don't I? Isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty <laughs> funny. I like that. I don't know where I'll cut off that Godzilla talk, but let's transition on over to our main segment today. Season 3 in its entirety of Amazon Prime's The Boys. For today's main segment, we are talking about the entirety of The Boys Season 3 recently aired on Amazon Prime. Uh, We did the first two seasons almost a year ago, I think, right? Feels like so much longer ago, if I'm being honest. I had to, like, recap for myself before this new season. Yeah, I had forgotten a lot of what happened at the end of the last season. I was very grateful for the Amazon Prime recap (laughs) at the beginning of the season. Overall thoughts on this season for me, I think that, especially in the first half, The Boys is lost a little bit of its luster for Mm. me it's all the same juvenile humor and you know blood and guts and and sex jokes and a lot of the characters have just kind of stagnated and it doesn't feel like they know what to do with a lot of them i will say that is alleviated a little bit in the second half of the season but considering the fact that some of the strongest characters on the show some of my favorite characters on the show have essentially nothing to do for most of the season it's very disheartening and they give them these little side quests a couple of times throughout the season that we'll talk yeah. more about in spoilers that just don't seem to fill in anything. There's a little bit of character work that goes into them, but not enough to justify a lot of the stuff that happens. And even the violence to me, which used to serve a very explicit point, seems more for shock value than anything else anymore. So I will say that, unfortunately, I do think this is the worst season of The Boys, despite the fact that there are still, I mean, there is outstanding thematic work going on throughout the rest of the Mm -hmm, season. mm -hmm. The new characters that are introduced are great. Characters that we've known for seasons that have been given a new kind of unexpected depth with new focus on them that I've really enjoyed. And overall, I still think it's a really entertaining and fun, smart show. I just also think that the writing is not as smart or as clever as it used to be. And that is very abundant, even in the fact that no longer are they ripping their storylines from the headlines. Their storylines are the headlines. It's literally just a one-to-one translation of what's happening in real life. They're just putting it on the screen. And that's still effective satire. There's, I mean, I think the last scene of the season, which is getting way ahead of ourselves, (laughs) is a perfect encapsulation of the political moment that America is in right now. But overall, it's just, this is a stumble of a season for this show, I think, despite all of the exciting things about it. But I've talked long enough, Seamus. Let me hear your (laughs) thoughts on this new season. I... I completely agree with almost everything you just said there. I I still definitely enjoyed my big binge of The Boys that I did over the last couple days and there's just something about this season that there there is a repetitive cycle that they do through there's only eight episodes but they go through this cycle like almost every episode if not every other episode where you're right these characters are kind of stagnating in what we know from them from the first two seasons and i think though there needed to be a little more of that character work to drive us forward we're kind of right back where we and i hope this isn't too much of a spoiler we're kind of right back where we ended in season two when we wrapped up this season three here maybe a few key differences of course but like nothing changed more or less for any 
of the characters, everyone is still kind of their their motivations haven't changed because nobody really achieved anything in this season. I think, and I'm hoping that they can they can kind of take back off whenever season four comes back I around. Think that's, but I think that's true with one notable exception, which I will get to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, there are definitely exceptions to what I just said for sure. <laughs> but in the overall flow of how the season went, I still, I you know, each episode had its own really fun set pieces and I, I lots of fun gore to splatter around like you were saying but I feel like overall we we haven't really advanced a full season's worth of story it feels like and part of the reason for that again I think is that these characters that have been super important to the show from season one have been sidelined and I think that 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 their incremental progress makes it feel overall like the show has kind of mm. left them be yeah yeah and because also you were you were talking about these new characters that are introduced that are, are very cool and they, they add a lot to the dynamic of what, you know, Vought and the boys in their own separate ways and with those newer characters and what they're doing with them, if they kept up with who we are already interested in, it would have been like a grand slam, but we kind of we kind of fizzle out on both sides of that once we get farther in towards the end of the third season. Yeah, and I think none of that is any detriment to the actors. Like, I think it's the writing that is letting down. The sh- also, I think it's an ugly show. I think it's supposed to be an ugly show. Oh, yeah. But I don't think it's a very nice-looking show. I don't think it's shot super compellingly. I don't know how much of that is intentional or not. But I think it's really the writing that is letting down the storytelling this season because the acting is phenomenal all the way around. I think our returning players, I think, are all super great. Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Anthony Starr, Aaron Moriarty. I mean, Karen Fukuhara is always the show for me. Absolutely. Kamiko is the best character on the show, I think. Lastly, I want to, of course, shout out Chase Crawford, uh, the Thief, because (laughs) um, he needs his own comedy on HBO or something. I think he needs his own show where he could just be hilarious all the time because... I, I think he needs it because that's... he He's so fantastic. I don't want him to be typecast as like a a deviant forever. I think he, he could branch... His comedy is so spot on that I think he could branch out a little more than what he's got on the show now even though he's still one of the funniest and granted most disturbing parts of, of this season. I saw... Uh... <laughs> I saw a casting thing the other day that was like, he should be Fred in Scooby-Doo, and I think that would be <laughs> perfect. I'm trying to imagine him as like a blonde in an ascot, and I think that'd be very funny. <laughs> but also, I think we should we should shout out some of our, our newbies here that have come into play, mostly Jensen Ackles. It's just, we were talking about him up top. He is incredible. Yeah, he's great. He's great. This season. I, there's something about him, that the quality that they gave his character as a a soup in this show that is, is weirdly refreshing in a lot of ways, but he's still like really sharp and funny and still like a huge a hole in a way that I don't know. I really I really like Soldier Boy for sure. I mean, this is a good place to talk about Soldier Boy as a character, like as a meta character, because not only obviously is this character super influenced by Captain America, like very explicitly, he's got the shield, he's got the shield and the he's spangles, got a, a and boy. The- sidekick who's focused on guns. He's got all of it, which is Sean Patrick Flannery, of co- who is also insane great on this. In the- 
this season I, is so funny and so unrecognizable to me. I only knew it was him because I like hovered my, or like I paused it and it gave me the IMDb facts on Amazon and I was like, Jesus God, that is insane looking. But Jensen Ackles in life, in real life, was number two for Captain America. It was him and Chris Evans. Is that true? I actually didn't know that. That is hilarious. Yeah. Oh man. And honestly, so, I mean, he would have been pretty would... good as Captain America. There is no other Chris Evans, that I, but I think he would have been really great. I think he would have been yes, way better than yes. Krasinski, who I think was like number five or <laughs> oh, six. Oh, God. That would have been weird. Not that Krasinski's not a good actor, and especially in that era, that's like his Leatherheads era where he was kind of like little all-American boy. Uh, not not all-American boy. All-American boy. boy. <laughs> um, uh, the blue really makes my eyes pop. <laughs> when are they going to bring the, the, the boys parody of Sky High into... Wait a minute, weren't they doing a, a boys high school thing, or is that a different property? Uh, no, no, they're doing... Um, I think it's college. Or it's I college, think it's, it's like right. soup school or something. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's. I think it's called Generation V, is I actually think what it's called. My God. Like, well, I'll watch it v. probably. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I'm excited about that idea because you think about everything we hear about with The Deep and A-Train and even Annie a little bit, what they go through mm, when yeah. they first become superheroes and what that's like. And we've never seen that firsthand before. So I think seeing that with a new batch of characters and seeing how they're corrupted or maybe not corrupted by Vaught is going to be a really interesting kind of depth adder to the world of the boys and something that and I think this is a thing that we need to talk about a little bit how much can they walk up to the line of like what they're parodying without just being it you know yeah that that might be a, a, a tricky line to walk for a college themed one considering I'm sure they're gonna pull from I mean I, I can't say they won't pull from Sky High or, or something like that but it's definitely gonna be a very animal house but like a lot darker I would imagine considering all of the stuff that the the main feed show talks about. But I mean more with like the idea of crossing those properties over theoretically. I mean that apparently Kumail's character on this season of the show in which he had like a five second cameo was from the boys animated series and I'm like I, I think there are other parts of the show that are walking so close to this like they're almost not parodying Marvel and DC anymore. They're almost just doing the same thing Yeah, in yeah. some ways and I think that's part of the reason that the show is suffering a little bit is the satire is just less sharp this season. Yeah, I think that I think that's a big part of it. We were we were discussing before. It's there is like, and I mean, it's not like the other two seasons were super duper subtle, but there was yeah, there were jokes that weren't just like fully flat out laying it out there on the screen for you. I almost feel like in order to really do the rest of this season justice, we have to get into spoilers, though. I think so. Yeah, there's there's a lot of specifics in these eight short episodes that that we we can pull from right now. If you are okay, let's before we get into spoilers. If you've watched the first two seasons of The Boys, you liked it. Do you recommend they do this season, Seamus? I would recommend that, Garrett. I think my enjoyment of the first two seasons of The Boys definitely helped carry this third season. It, it was I, I agree with you. It was definitely the the weakest of the three that are out right now. But I still thoroughly enjoyed it in a lot of different ways. I can't get enough of Anthony Starr as Homelander. Is just the cre- it's like the creepiest character, and I love it so much. And you know, I guess he was a little more like skeevy creepy in the first two seasons but he's still just so good and obviously Butcher is such a fun angry interesting character I if, if even if you just like those two characters I feel like it's still 
worth it to keep up with it because they're still setting up for a lot of interesting stuff for whatever the next season is going to hold and you know like you said Ackles is great all the new people are great the 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 humor is still there it's just maybe not as sharp so I, I would still recommend it yeah I think I'll second everything you just said that the promise of what's coming especially if, if it didn't stick the landing on the season I mm. think I would be a little bit more hesitant to recommend but the promise of what's coming down the pike in season four I think is going to be really interesting and the place that we've left these characters this season it's so much more evident the direction that they're going than it ever was yes at yes. the end of season two but what do you say we we jump into the gritty details Garrett please I'm chomping at the bit here all right official spoiler threshold right now do you want to talk about the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in episode one just I would love to just <laughs> yeah. lay that out first because I am still thinking about I, it <sighs> I think that is the thing that we have to talk about, and for me, it's the thing that encapsulates everything that I didn't like about this season. I, I think it I think I might be agreeing is. with you here. It's well, we we do start off with a little bit of context. There's a there's about a year time jump. Everything is strange. The boys are working for the government to track down like violent and rogue soups. <laughs> and how do we even get into this? There's a there's this cocaine sex party, okay, and. <laughs> The gimmick of this cocaine sex party is there's a soup who can shrink down and has like a like a weird sex doll show in a dollhouse. And then he immediately gets more high and shrinks down and crawls inside of his boyfriend's urethra to stimulate him from the inside. Now you think that's where this appalling stuff is going to end, right? That's where I thought it was going to I thought we were there. But he he has a little sneeze attack from the cocaine and explodes his his lover from the inside out of his urethra by becoming full-sized again just as Frenchie walks in the room. And I had to pause the show here, Garrett, and I had to take a breath after seeing that because, my God, I you, you kind of gave me a little bit of a warning. Like, there's something horrific, like, over the top in the first episode, and I kept thinking it was coming in the first 10 minutes, but that's, like, minute 11 of this season, and it just <laughs> destroyed me. It is the most graphic thing I've ever seen on television, yes. period. Yeah. Like, everything I, about it. It's it's so disturbing to think back on. It's so... I I was so shocked when it happened. I, I, I'm still laughing about it because it is so over-the-top insane, and that's, like, what this show's brand is for both sex and violence, but it was just so much. It was so much. I think... And so getting into what about this is so too much for me is what not only do I feel like this season the violence is all about shock value and the sex is all about shock value in a way that it's never been before. It's always been about really establishing what bad people the soups are and not that we don't get that from this, but we've had two seasons showing us how bad the soups are. Like, we get it. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is this is so clearly a homage, not even an homage, a direct taking of the whole nerd culture joke about why doesn't Ant-Man just go up Thanos' butt? That's the joke right like that was the theory wow, not you know, a theory like it was actually gonna happen I, I was so shocked by that all I did not even put two and two together that that was the Ant-Man joke in my mind I was just like these people are sick and twisted and that's and that's it but that is and th- that's why I hate it though is because it's not even like an original sick and twisted thing it's like yeah, yeah. it's like no get it guys because like Ant-Man do you get it it's like Ant-Man and I think that that is the thing I really don't like it's the same thing as the 
Imagine cover that they do later in the season. Yeah, yeah. With Seth Rogen. Which I think it's... was also Deep's intro to that. What I think was also a parody of Kylie Jenner's response to the Pepsi video. Is that true? Am I, am I making no, that up? No, that's but because they do the A-Train Pepsi video later. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. When A-Train gets on his whole, like, A-Train to Africa, <laughs> I'm gonna be um the symbol of the black man within Vaught. And then also, I mean, the one that is also really egregious to me is the... It, it's a little bit more justified, and I think it has a little bit more nuance to it, but speaking of A-Train, the whole Blue Hawk Soup Lives Matter thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that I at least, that made a little more sense to me in the, the arc exactly. that they were doing with him. He, at least, he had more of, one of the more complete arcs in this season to me, where he goes from that, like, stupid not getting that, like, you can't just waltz into, like, a Black Panther socially progressive African heritage space in a in whatever just because you're you know you think that's what your role is but and then you know going through all the the Blue Hawk and the you know all the way through him ending Blue Hawk in the way even the specific way that he does in like a very reminiscent of like a, a lynching revenge thing that he does to him when he eventually kills him after after Herogasm it's it's a very interesting way that they actually write all that yeah I think that A-Train has one of the best arcs on this season period and I yeah I agree I'm willing to forgive a lot of the more like get it like current events <laughs> right with yeah, him. yeah because also I think that's the most dangerous politically territory that they tread on this show is that they are trying oh, yeah, to get yeah. into this idea of soups as law enforcement and what that means for like real world allegories and what they're actually trying to say about I mean it it doesn't all quite hold water because at the beginning the first two scenes of the show it was all about superheroes as corporate America. Like, that was yeah, yeah. the allegory. And now it's like, now they're also cops. And it's not that those two things aren't interconnected, because they are. But at the same time, it's not, it just doesn't, it makes it a little fuzzy about what they're trying to say. It doesn't make it as effective a metaphor as it was before. And I think there is, there's an interesting point in towards the end of this season where Ashley is the redheaded CEO, right? The crazy yes. woman who, who rips out funny. her own hair. I, She's great. I, I like her. Totally. But she calls out A-Train's hypocrisy of like his history of collateral. And that made me again think about how even in like the pilot of this show, they taught, they're treating Huey's girl friend's murder as like a, all right, we're going to pay off the family. We're going to do a press conference about how sorry you are and how you're on like paid leave or whatever. They they hit that like episode one, like season one is That's true. almost all about how a, a train is the person of power who doesn't have to deal with any of his collateral. So in a way that makes this full circle with his character in this new season, it, it makes it feel a little more, a little more written, you know, Some, something that they, they might have had a little more of a focus on when they were writing season three in general because there are a couple moments in the season with A-Train where he, you know, he flips sides out of nowhere, like, off screen and they they barely talk about it and then he's still kind of on this other side story with, with Blue Hawk that it feels a little inconsistent, but I, I think the way that they end him, or where his character ends up 
towards the end of the season, it, it feels like it is is more complete. We ha- we have more to hear from him, of course, but they they did a little more work with him and maybe him breaking out of that subservient role to Homelander and all that. I just saw an interview with a couple of the of the people from the boys. I think it was like Karen Fukuhara and Jesse T. Usher who plays A Train, Carl Urban, Jensen Ackles was there. Mm. I don't remember who all was there, but basically they were talking about how people come up to him now, Jesse T. Usher, and say like. I I really hated you at the beginning, and now I'm starting to like A Train. You've you've kind of won me over a little mm. bit, and I agree with that. Oh, totally, totally. I, that and, I and think that they've given him so much more humanity. Definitely. I mean, just looking at the original members of the Seven, he's like the only one who seems to legitimately be making some kind of positive development, even if it is you know through. Mm. With one exception. With one exception. Maeve. Maeve. God. Oh, God. Yeah. It's a, I almost forgot about Maeve. Maeve is she's she's also doing a lot of interesting stuff in this season. Uh, I feel like she she I feel like we see little of her this season, if I'm being honest. But that is obviously yeah, a I device. Yeah, I don't think they in... quite earned her finale. Yeah, I don't I, think they... I agree with that. I liked it a lot, but it was like when at the okay at the uh, jumping so far ahead <laughs> at the end of the season when Soldier Boy's gonna blow and. And somebody needs to go out that window with him. My mind didn't immediately jump to like, oh yeah, that's Maeve. Like Maeve should, do yeah, it, no, you know? me because neither. That's yeah, just never entered my mind as, oh yeah, Maeve is focused enough on this season to to deserve that. And I'm sure there's stuff that was cut a little bit, probably based on the trajectories, because there there's so many characters to balance this season, yeah, seriously. more than there's ever been. And I mean, really, I think we could have spent less time on Huey. I know, I know, he's technically the de facto lead of the series, really, but. Yeah, that that goes back to my, this show, this season has a cycle of its core characters that isn't progressive. Huey is a little boy, as we know, and he, mm-hmm. I mean, his getting his weird addiction to the temp V that they keep taking to gain their 24 hours of superpowers and his like relationship and how that affects him and Starlight together. It, it, it the same argument happened every time. And then the same like non-resolution happened every time until and the I end of the like season. That's- it's a retread of what they already did in season two, too, I feel like, of at the end, when he's all, like, going off with Butcher, and he's like, I gotta, you know, I gotta yeah. save the day, da 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 and then she is, of course, the one who shows up and, and kicks Stormfront's ass, you know, at the end of that season, and I think that, like, it feels like, okay, we're just doing this again because we don't know what to do with Huey. Yeah, that, exactly, exactly. Even, I mean, even... And because of that, I'm not having a problem with them retreading it as much as I am, I just wished we had spent less time on it because we, re- we were retreading, because it does feel, it feels honest it just feels tired yeah i i think you're right on that and and the way that honestly the early parts of the season where he's still working at the department of superhuman affairs i think that i i was more interested in that like internal thing that he was starting to struggle with than what they kind of turned to a couple episodes in when he finds out about nadia and that she's the head popper from the end of season two yeah but i mean let i want to talk a little bit about the other character arcs that worked for me because i thought that Starlight and Aunt slash Annie, her entire arc this season that wasn't Huey related was incredible. I thought everything going on with her decision to leave Vought and how she was being portrayed in the media and how she was a political outcast and all of that was super interesting and exciting and it felt like real consequences in a season that kind of felt like the main characters had plot armor more than they have in the other seasons. Yeah, hers is 
is definitely one of the only ones that was like there were like minor twists and reveals happening with her and like her exposing of Homelander and all that that you know it got me more jazzed than almost anything that was happening with the actual boys and I don't know if if your next girl a boy <laughs> is Kamiko a boy too well she's got her <laughs> own backstory with Frenchie this season yeah. that um, hmm. wrap your thought wrap your thought wrap your thought I'm sorry I don't even remember what I was saying I was I was now I'm thinking about how like I, I'm I'm interested to see did the did the Frenchie Kamiko other French woman storyline work for you because it well, kind of didn't for me in a lot of ways I, I like a lot of what Kamiko went through and a lot of her decisions later on about like you know losing her powers and maybe gaining her powers back yep. of her own volition you know I I liked that idea but I just thought it was such a departure from what I was focusing on with Frenchie trying to save his ex girlfriend from that mobster that Russian mobster lady that I I, I, I wasn't necessarily yeah right it just it felt like a distraction yeah. a little bit maybe that's a huge part that, of the comics that they were paying respect to about like Frenchie's yeah. whole backstory but I who I cares just, I don't I it don't doesn't matter it, give me the young Frenchie spinoff show or something you know I don't I don't yeah. necessarily need half of like three middle of the season episodes to be about like Frenchie's departure out there well for me you asked me who my exception was about like it feels like we're just back to the starting point of season two and for I was explicitly referencing Starlight because I feel like she's come in a completely different totally. place than she was totally the yeah and then but you asked about Kamiko and I do think that actually Kamiko despite seemingly being in the same place is in a different place I think that she really is and I just really hated all the Frenchie stuff it's sad because I love Frenchie me too is the, but, we're on the same page here <sighs> Frenchie is such a fun and good character but I just it, it was so uninteresting to me they keep like going back there's like a part where they go like looks like we're taking another field trip back to Russia and I was like please don't let this just be another way for them to run into these people again like just it's it's and there's even like a moment of like Frenchie you've got to kill this guy and his child daughter and it's like I know like that even would have been a dark and interesting thing for them to do but then they just bail on it immediately and that's how they get her angry at him you know it just didn't work for me at all they needed Kamiko and Starlight to have these parallel arcs right where Huey is like taking the compound V because he wants to feel powerful and because he's right, trying yeah. to do something that is that it, it's impotent he is impotent and he's trying to compensate for that it's not about actually doing good as Kamiko who hates her powers and doesn't want them sees them as a burden realizes over the course of the season and Starlight ultimately aids her in getting her powers back because she knows that she has to with great power comes great responsibility yeah, bear exactly. that burden so that she can protect Frenchie and do what she needs to do and that is an interesting and compelling arc and Karen Fukuhara again without saying a single word all season except for that very oh, yeah, charming and fun dream sequences that there's a couple yeah. of them you know she gets her she gets her piano one in the beginning which was shocking oh, I forgot but... about that yeah right before the worst thing ever to happen on television god yeah that's really never gonna be out of my mind Ugh, good good lord you know you know who I was Ugh. pretty upset about their character development or at least how they ended up Bla black noir what the hell man <sighs> we got the setup of a lifetime and they axed him with nothing I was so sad well I I like that's what I like about it though is that it it's so it's kind of like the atrium thing where it's like he's this horrible person who has done a horrible evil things and then when we learn his backstory to realize that he is a a guy who has a lot more in common with I mean he is very similar to A-Train I think those are very specific parallels that they're drawing in the two timelines that like definitely if oh, Soldier yeah. Boy is Homelander then 
and Black Noir was A Train. He wants to be in the spotlight. He wants to have more to do. He wants to be in movies. He wants to. He wants to take um, his helmet be... off. Is the big thing before that ambush yeah. happens, and it's you know the exact same thing of like I just I need to be seen for you know a member of this team is who I am, and I guess ultimately he gets his brain scrambled by not wearing that helmet, but still. Yeah, and it's a really sad thing. So so it's giving you sympathy for this character who up until this point, I mean he's hilarious, but I hated him because he's just this soulless killing machine and then to take all of that and give you the hope that maybe he's going to come around and be the hero that we need and then to take all that <sighs> away just by Homelander putting his hand through his chest like you know it's horrific and it's supposed to be and it gives you the exact emotional arc that like Black Noir's stuff really worked for me this season actually to the point totally. that it also made me re- like it made me really sad when he comes back and he has the sign for Homelander and it just says soldier boy come we kill yeah his his un for, I mean ultimately when we see that like cartoon animal flashback which I loved and was really hoping was going to be like his perspective of whatever the final fight was going to be I was hoping that was how, where that was going but I don't know it's it's his loyalty to Homelander or his uh, slash his hatred or fear of of Soldier Boy and all that I thought was I was driving it in a way that was like I still do like Black Noir he's still in this strange alliance with somebody who he thinks he can trust and all that but I don't know swept away I get some people are like he could come back and nobody's nobody has ever really gone you know they, he just ripped out his heart he got his head blown off basically the last time but well they're just gonna put I mean Vought not they like the showrunners but Vought is just gonna put another guy in that suit and say oh yeah Black Noir he's still here he's still Black Noir you know yeah yeah like how they did with um oh god season one invisible guy oh I forgot about that remember yeah. they did that whole thing where they're like he's on a mission or whatever well Maeve is in rehab so you know yeah, oh yeah exactly that that whole thing that whole thing wait do I, we didn't and we didn't think- talk about I'm sorry this is a this is a decide I remembered of Maeve uh Maeve and Butcher they get down yeah but like again I don't feel like Sure, that showing us that Maeve is lost and sad and just needs some kind of human connection, but it's still not giving me quite enough about to get her to the end of that season. Like she has a couple of good moments with Annie, she has a couple of good moments with Butcher, and I, a I couple of good moments totally, with Homelander. And, like, totally agree. Yeah, she she's in a space where it's like it's like maybe series wrap on Maeve. I guess is is the best way to put that. Like I, it doesn't seem like she's gonna be back in the fold as a as a soup at least. I mean. No, but I that well, seems literally to me, depowered. Yeah, and I I kind of was into that, and I guess they kept uh, they kept old Soldier Boy alive, Winter Soldier style. So I'm sure he's gonna be back to wreak more havoc at some point. But that that scene with Maven Butcher to me actually, I felt like that was more about Butcher's relationship with Soups or how he saw himself with that Temp V and like what that was doing to him and his perspective of his like overall mission of like total Soup genocide and all that. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're totally right. And I mean, again, there's a, there's a lot of stuff this season with Butcher and how he, you know, him with Ryan and how he he's his emotionality towards his, you know, soup adopted son and his reconciliation with what he has to do to like burn every bridge, including every single one that he has with himself to to get to his end goal. There's there's well, some interesting that's, stuff there. To me, I think okay, this is the second half of that thing I was talking about where they say, you know, a train 
how great is it to have a character that you hate that you end up liking? And Carl Urban actually said, and I was shocked he said this in the interview because this was like a promo material for the show. He says, what about a character that you start liking but end up hating? Ooh, that's, and that's, that's almost better for me. I hate Butcher. He's an awful man. All the stuff he does to M.M. in this season is unforgivable. The way he leads Huey down that... I guess he kind of spares Huey the soup V, or the, the temp V stuff. Yeah, but in the worst... As Huey says, he saved my life in the worst way possible. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I I hate him, and I don't think he's right, even, to be honest. Like, most of the time, he's not... He, at the beginning of the show, he has the advantage of being right. But now, usually, he's not even right. He's just angry. Like, at the end, where we have our big standoff between our two teams of heroes, where they get locked in the vault in the Flatiron building. Butcher's the one that puts him there. Butcher's the one with the bad, dumb plan, you know? Yeah, he's just so blinded in this season, and, and maybe you could chalk that up to the thing they revealed towards the end where, you know, his brain is full of holes and all that, but, like, he's just, like, a reckless... Yeah, you know, you, you can feel him feel for the boys in all the in the other seasons, and there's a lot of parts in this where he's, like, talking about how much he cares about his team, but then he doesn't show it when it ultimately comes down to, like, fully screwing them over on almost every plan they have. Well, that's why it's time to talk about the big theme this season, which I think is super... The most impressive thing about the writing of this season is how coherent this through line is. Mommies and daddies. Um, it's time to talk about mommies <laughs> and daddies, because... Every single person on this show pretty much has some kind of parental issue. And, I mean, Butcher is dealing with the reality of being a father figure and not wanting to be one because he, he knows how much he messed up his brother when he essentially was his de facto father figure, mm. when their father was abusive and horrific, and how he ultimately led his brother down the path to his suicide. We see M.M., who has an amazing storyline this season dealing with the generational trauma of Soldier Boy's demolition of his family, and then also Todd, his daughter's new stepfather, who oh my god, the yeah. the heroes that M.M. has sworn his life to defend innocence against. Um, Frenchie talks about his relationship with his yeah, father. they throw that Kimiko in there. talks about not having parents. And then the big one, Soldier Boy, is Homelander's dad. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, that, that was at once... Uh little shocking and also unsurprising it feels like that's exactly like with the way that they've been chronicling the history of Vought and all of their weird experiments that that makes complete sense to me and it's that that confrontation at the last episode with them where he just looks him right in the face and calls him a disappointment is uh-huh great it's it's one more father figure it's like the scientist guy in season one Juan Carlo Esposito in season two and soldier boy in season three all of his like major father figures in his life figurative and literal like despise him they they to his face are telling him how much of garbage that he is and it's got it's got me getting some tingles for Homelander and Ryan in season four, if oh. I'm being honest. Because that is well, one of my favorite ways that things have ended up now in the end of the season. Is, yeah, that Ryan is not only Homelander's award, but that he seems to be on board with the violence that Homelander is wreaking. Because the season ends with him killing a man in cold blood in and everybody cheering him. It's the, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the Trump, I could shoot somebody on in 
Fifth Avenue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And exactly. my followers would still support me. Like, it's, again, it is ripped from the headlines, but it's doing it in such a more articulate way, the way that the show used to do things. You know, there's actually some subtext there. Also, Todd is there, of course, because Todd's the worst character. <laughs> He's so <laughs> infuriating. It was so lovely when M.M. put him out in front of their their house. I know it was, like, M.M.'s whole struggle with his, his rage and his OCD this season and, like, his desire to be a father to his daughter and all that, but, man, Todd was such a bastard, huh? Like, my God. <laughs> yeah, I think that M.M. really gets the, I think, best character stuff this season overall. I think Homelander is pretty great, too. Definitely. That, his spiral I mean, from the beginning of this episode through the end of it is, is magnificent. But overall, I think that there's so many twists and turns and different facets to M.M.'s character in a way that, like, Homelander is incredibly complex, but he's also, there's, it's like having a nuke that's a character. Yes, yeah. It, it, despite all the complexity, at the end of the day, it's a binary of, is Homelander going to eviscerate you? <laughs> Or is he going to tolerate you? Yeah, there, he, he and that's it. Like that's he places that options. threat to Starlight when I think she's secretly recording him. Where it, it was one of the first time, and I know they like literally show his destructive power in this show, like on screen. But his threat of just like, yeah, release the video. If you do, I'll just wipe New York and all your little hometowns off the map, and I'll kill millions of people, and I'll be ecstatic about it. Just like the way he's describing that. Well, you're right. It's either he eviscerates you, or he's like complicit for the time being and his plan to eviscerate the world is one of the first times where I was really like man they really couldn't do anything at all to stop him in that event like he is he is the master of destruction at that point and there's all, all their plans involve such like sneaking around and making sure Homelander doesn't know anything but if he's if he's going off then he's going off and that's the end of humanity and and I really love that he's still just inching ever closer to that being where we're going to be ending up in this show yeah and I I love the idea that he was brought in Soldier Boy to kill Homelander and then that at the end of the season ultimately Butcher and Homelander team up because Soldier Boy wants to kill Ryan yeah that's uh, interesting I suppose I another reason why this maybe the finale fell a little flat for me is that there was a big buildup of let's go hunt down the Avengers real quick and then we'll kill Superman and then in that final showdown not only does Kamiko and Starlight just get kind of whipped around after they show off their ultimate powers nobody dies the sacrifice isn't a sacrifice because Maeve is alive and like happy but Homelander's also good. alive like Maeve should get that I think, yes, that. I agree. That that is, I don't disagree with that, but I I just feel like the consequences of the big team up fight, I, there were none. Every I guess the biggest thing is that Ryan is with Homelander, but other than that, that would have that could have happened yeah. in any other context besides the big showdown. I hate to say it, Huey or Frenchie should have died. One of the two of them should have died. Like if we were yeah. really following through on the themes from this season and yeah. the places that their characters were, are uh, you disagreeing with me? No, I I, I agree. Honestly, they should have given or even they, they should have given Frenchie's time to Mother's Milk and then Mother's Milk should have maybe died. That would have been devastating. Well, no, but... because Mother's Milk, he's got he's got other things still cooking, I think. I think his arc of, because he still hasn't completely convinced, you know, he's got to have that moment where he's still mentoring his daughter, right? Yeah, that's and that's true. He's got to show true. her what the world really is. He, he has a greater mission than Huey or Frenchie. He has changing the perception of the everyman, which is not a thing we've seen a lot of on this show. Frenchie, you know, because both of their arcs, I mean, just like 
Kamiko and Starlight are parallel. Frenchie and Huey are parallel. And Huey, it, that would have been a moment for him to actually potentially save Starlight, right? Is that if that, he had done yeah. something when he was not powered up, that would have saved her life. I think that would be really compelling. That ultimately resulted in his death. And the same thing with Frenchie. Yeah, Frenchie yeah. spends all of his time being protected by Kamiko, but the difference is because he doesn't feel bad about it, right? He isn't embarrassed by it because he loves Kamiko and respects her and her power. But yeah. I still think that the the the, the havoc that that would re- not that I want to do this to poor Kamiko because I love her, but that the the havoc that that would wreak on Kamiko of she couldn't save Frenchie. That would devastate her. That would be a very interesting yeah, yeah. place. O- almost to leave if that like, character. If Frenchie was maybe in charge of getting Kamiko her V back and he died in pursuit of giving her her power back and her feeling responsible for maybe not having her powers to protect him or having him be the one to make the sacrifice for her to, to power up again, something like that. But I, you're not wrong. I, as much as I love Frenchie, I feel like, yeah, he he's maybe the one maybe the one to go out hard. Maybe that would have made his his <laughs> all that time of backstory a little more worth it. But I... I yeah. Season four, maybe. Who knows? They gotta kill off somebody sometime. I mean, the last main character they killed off was um, Black Noir. Black Noir. Oh God, I miss I miss the man. He's uh, the potential. God. I feel like there was somebody else they killed this season. I was surprised that they killed, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Other than Timothy, of course. Um, Timothy. Timothy the the octopus. Oh my God, dude! The absolute Uh, talking to I was given by my girlfriend after she glanced over at my laptop when she saw that she was mortified. What are you watching? Deep eating him or the deep deep doing the other? The deep doing the other thing to him. Okay, that that yeah. It was she was so upset by that, and I I had to be like I didn't make the show. Okay, you should see the other stuff they put on here that was not good enough for her. She was very upset. <laughs> Multiple times this season we had to see that. They, they yeah, were like, yeah. once isn't enough. Oh, God. Him, him with the threesome with his weird Scientology wife. With, oh, God. <laughs> his Tom Cruise wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, yeah, his Katie Holmes. Oh. oh, rough stuff, rough stuff. But honestly, watching him eat that octopus was also really dark and weird. And It was so, it's so disturbing. <laughs> it's mu- so messed up he's like Ugh. chewing on he like, deserves it praying. deep deserves it he's an awful human being no the deep is bad that octopus didn't deserve that that's who it's disturbing for no no I feel bad I do feel bad for Timothy um, <laughs> oh, God. I love this. the brief aside of the the deeps come back on Who's <laughs> America's Next Top Superhero or whatever it's called. Oh, and, God. Uh, when, the, when, he, when he does the dramatic turn. Yeah, he turns around and, like, up. jogs up like it's The Price is Right. <laughs> uh, He's our... just so funny. I just... I, <laughs> I that know. is, I think, the best casting decision on the show because I would just hate that character so much that it would make me sick to my stomach if it were played by anybody less hilarious yeah, than Chase Crawford. Truly. He's so funny. Uh, I, I really, he's going to be, I'm, I'm going to see him, hopefully we're going to see him in things for the rest of our lives. I hope his career is very long and prosperous, but we are always going to go, oh damn, that's the deep. The deep is in this movie. And I'm just going to think about that damn octopus. <laughs> 
Oh, it's awful. And it, the way, and, but even in that moment, even in that hilarious moment, that is Starlight being forced to be in the same place as her sexual assailant and like be friendly with him. Yeah, it saves his life. I mean, she's, I mean, she is yeah. telling him to get out technically because Homelander's showing up. But it's awful. It's so sad that I mean, I think that's where the show still really shines is where we can simultaneously balance the gravity of that moment and the humor of that moment. Yeah, definitely. It, it's a little messed up to say that the deep is the shining but I mean it's true you're not wrong he, it, it's it's so well done and perfectly in line with the original like spirit of this disgusting disgusting show but it, it just works really well because of his performances and I, I guess for as little writing as the deep got this season it, everything everything that he was in was either hilarious or disturbing enough to be very memorable do you have any do you have any other last thought shout outs the scene with Homelander and and the suicidal teen Jewish girl <laughs> so was sad incredible to me. I mean, incredible in like the most one of the more disturbing Homelander moments of like him forcing this girl into suicide. I really like the young Mallory flashback. Oh I, yeah, I would watch like a whole show that's young totally. Mallory. I thought that was awesome. Where, they, um, her and Mother's Milk Paul have Reiser. a moment of like you were responsible for introducing crack into the inner cities of America, and she was like, <laughs> it was a diff- it was the eighties. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that was it's funny intense. and sad. It's funny and sad. It really like, is. Yeah, uh, Paul Reiser's great. I love him showing up in this for his couple episodes. I hope he's back again. Oh yeah, that was really really funny. All of those really long like word, <laughs> word avalanche almost style like admissions of crazy Hollywood shenanigans. I, I thought were very funny. <laughs> it's like, do you know who that is? Look it up. You're too young. Like constantly looking at Huey and be like, you don't know what I'm talking about. I thought it was very fun. Supersonic was great. Supersonic, uh, R.I.P. Starlight's, yeah. <laughs> Got destroyed by Homelander. That was pretty disturbing. <laughs> My God. That was pretty rough. Yeah, especially after their dinner date or wherever she takes, uh, she's taken from. I always think she can fly and she can't. I always think Starlight can fly. Well, it's she, her suit. She, can, she her can, suit though, at like the she end, remember? Fly. She she flies at the end. She levitates with her big power that does nothing. <gasps> right. When Huey gives her the big... That was nice, actually. Huey giving her the big boost of energy. Yeah, there we like go. The that, man that, in the chair. There's his support role as the non-soup boyfriend but like you know not not as good as it, not as big as it should be maybe uh i'm glad that the that ant-man got stepped on at the end of herogasm that's good oh is that um, the same guy yeah oh right because they're like we had to let him go but we got two domestic abuse soups and a, a dui soup or something like that and they're like this is bs blah blah, blah. yeah Gla- yep. yeah he got so. stepped on good <laughs> yeah Exactly, exactly. Shout out to the, also the second like, weird giant soup penis that M.M. has had to have like draped around his neck. I, I don't know why that's back. I think that's supposed to be the that's same, the same guy, guy from the asylum. Because those guys all escaped, remember? The asylum all, people all oh escaped. Oh my god, and they went straight to herogasm, my god. Last thing I want to say is I really like the the Justice League super friends dynamic between the two eras of team. Oh, totally, yeah. Because you've got like... Literally and... got the Wonder Twins. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Megamind is there. I don't know. He's supposed to be like Professor X. I don't know what his deal is. Oh, the guy who can... Yeah. I like forgot about him. Locked Butcher in his abusive nightmares, which was pretty dark. Yeah. But that was a good... That was a good episode, I thought, with Soldier Boy refusing to admit that he has PTSD. <laughs> and... Screw you. I don't have shell shock. He's like chain smoking blunts the whole time. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. 
again, he's just a great character that is deepened by a great performance. And we didn't even talk, and we were talking about the whole parental theme here. He has a really great heart-to-heart with Butcher, where he's like, yeah, my dad, after I got the V, he was like, you're a disappointment because you're not a real man. And you, like, you know, because a real man would need steroids or whatever. And that's exactly what he turns around and does to Homelander. Man, I cannot wait for those two to show back up together again. They're gonna, I want them to just, like, fight on the moon. Maybe they blow up the moon. Fully blow up the moon with that fight. I'm into it. Like Invincible style? Is that what they do in Invincible? Oh, God, I'm a hack. I didn't see Invincible. Uh, you should watch Invincible also with Seth Rogen. So, or produced by Seth Rogen and... Robert Kirkman? Um, oh, yeah, that, or that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a Kirkman. Uh, speaking of The Walking Dead, uh, what's your fish in The Walking Dead who is running an OnlyFan live stream thing with Seth Rogen? <laughs> She's from The Walking uh, Dead? <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's, uh, what's her name from the first season of The Walking Dead? The first season? I, I, Are you kidding me? I don't me? think that's what she's, like, mainly from, but that's oh, the first time wow. I remember seeing her. You're right. I, I, I'm seeing it in my head now. That's crazy. Yeah, she was gross and weird. I like that. That, that was, uh, that Seth Rogen scene was just really, the audio was just really getting to me. <laughs> Rogen really rubbing one out with all of the lotion in the world. Good God. <laughs> But I mean, I love I love that Seth Rogen is just himself on this <laughs> yeah. show. That cracks yeah. me up. He's just a he's just a dirty old pervert, just like in real life. Yeah, but I you know those were some one off things that I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I overall. I enjoyed this season. For as much as I'm critiquing it, I still think that as the weakest season, I it has not been so weak that I am out. I think I'm still in. I completely agree. I think that's all we really have to talk about for this season of The Boys. I'm sure we could talk endlessly about how weird and problematic The Deep is and how... <laughs> Uh, I should probably take down my signed The Deep poster out of my room. That's a little, that's not okay. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, you know, we learn these things and we have to learn. (laughs) We have to separate the art from the artist. uh, (laughs) Oh, God, separate the deep from the deeper. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, But... Uh, I'm excited to come back to the boys someday whenever they they finish filming season four and I'll probably I'll watch Gen V, I'll watch Diabolical maybe the we'll cartoon. Hit that up, yeah. Yeah. But until then, I still can't think of a catchphrase. So <laughs> enjoy a fresca, I guess. Oh no, oh no. This week's pop culture reference is the Kirk Ohora kiss. In episode 10 of season 3 of the original Star Trek series titled Plato's Stepchildren, William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols shared what is widely considered the first interracial kiss on television in 1968. When the studio and director were determined to get two versions of the scene, one take with the kiss and one without, Shatner intentionally gave performances so poor or did things like cross his eyes that there would be no option but to use the take with the kiss. There is widespread debate about what actually constitutes the first interracial kiss on television, including multiple earlier episodes of Star Trek. However, this is still widely and erroneously referred to as TV's first interracial kiss. Though it created little commotion at the time of airing, it became a major part of Star Trek history and is now looked upon as an important moment in the portrayal of interracial relationships in media. Now, obviously, we're talking about this today because of Nichelle Nichols' passing, uh, which we talked about up top, but I think it's important to remember that her legacy is so much bigger than just this one moment of TV history, but I think that that's the context she's talked the most about in. Like, I know that she was super involved with recruiting female astronauts for NASA in the 80s and, and 
and 90s, which I think is really, really exciting and cool. Yeah, that's awesome. This, this her contribution, this moment, all, all of the impacts that it had, the ripple effect and her direct influence, her involvement in all this stuff. It, it wasn't just like a, it was, it was less of a publicity stunt, it feels like, when you look at her legacy and how that impacted both the landscape of race relations and media and what she actually did for like the world of science. It was, it was more inspirational than just like a shocking moment on Star Trek. And I think I'm, this moment will live in history forever i mean i if i know anything about star trek it's this kiss and i know very little about star trek yeah definitely i know that when we heard that we actually had another pop culture reference slotted in and then when we heard that that she passed we we're like okay we gotta change gears because <laughs> yeah, yeah this is the thing that is the most relevant to her legacy right now to our episode right now yeah season three i i don't know i mean i i got so bored with the early seasons of star trek but it seems like by the time where they were in this era it was really starting to get fiery in a, in a lot of in a lot of interesting sci-fi ways and I, I think that maybe now's the time I, I finally need to buckle down go back revisit it at least watch a few of the classic movies maybe watch some of the JJ's I still haven't seen oh the JJ's are super fun I mean they're more Star Wars than Star Trek to be honest <laughs> right 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 they're pretty great and Wrath of Khan if you've not seen is oh I mean fantastic one of the best there's a next marathon folks a Star Trek 1 through 9 how many Star Treks are that there that would be great actually Can- I think that <laughs> <laughs> is our next marathon after the diesel verse of course of course i of think course. that would be good we should do I, that i'm in because my little context for literally anything that will happen in those movies will drive my curiosity awesome let's do it yes dude i'm in i'm in but let's move on to save the rec center let's do it now it's time to save the rec center where we bring you our weekly recommendations seamus What's up for you this week? Well, we teased it out a little bit in a few past episodes of maybe a main segment coming up in a few weeks. Haven't really locked it down yet, but I just wanted to let you, Garrett, and everyone else know that Jordan Peele's Nope is a spectacle. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I went to the big movie theater to see it because I thought it might be a you know worth it to see that caliber of movie on the big screen. It definitely, definitely is. It's one of the more human Jordan Peele movies, I would say. In, in terms of, of how these characters are written, and I think it's spectacularly well done. Maybe not my favorite of the three he's put out so far, but I, I thought it was fantastic either way. Great performances by everyone all around, and I think that I I would love to lock in a second viewing with you, maybe. I'm not sure if you've gotten around to seeing it yet, but I it is it is uh, it is a it is something. Oh Seamus. Oh, I have seen it. I oh, am, fantastic. I am oh, yes. Thrilled. Yeah. I I had a great time. The guys I went with didn't have as great a time. I don't no? think I think I don't know why. I was blown away by it. I think there we have to do an episode on it. There's no I question. think so. I um, I have a lot to week, say. Next week episode 100 that's Dieselverse, but I think after that I think maybe I think maybe we do nope because I agree. I have so many things to say. I didn't know you've seen it yet, so I've been very much <laughs> reserving what I what I think about it. But I I, I had a blast too. I think there, there's such an interesting focus on like entertainment industries and 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 media in this one that I think is is really interesting and special for the kind of wacky whacked out disturbing things that Jordan Peele is so good at. And I, they're they're married very well in this story. And well, I. I 
I guess we'll talk about more of that in a couple weeks. Cause man, do do I have thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited to talk about it. I second that so wholeheartedly, and I don't want to say any more because I don't want to <laughs> s- waste any of it for the podcast talk. But yes, please go good. see it. Yes, yeah, good, 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 good. But what do you have this week for the rec center, Garrett? Well, thankfully, I was not relying on Nope as my rec center. <laughs> although I did not see you pulling that out of left oh. field for me, I was surprised. Um, I have binged the first two, and what is uh, out so far of the third season of Apple TV Plus's For All Mankind, which is a really? <laughs> series about what if the space race never ended. It is just fantastic. I mean, it is some of the best TV on right now. Apple TV continues to not miss. Some of the main characters for you, Seamus, include Rick Flagg from, Hell yeah. uh, from the Suicide Squad. <laughs> And Butcher's ex-wife from The Boys, both excellent on here. Lots of other character actors and guest spots from actors that you would know, but those are the two main lead characters that I think you would be familiar with. It starts around the time of Apollo 11 and then continues on. I've never seen a story told on its scale before. It spans decades. Its characters are simultaneously epic, larger-than-life heroes and just normal people people trying to live a normal life during the tumultuous historical events that they're living through and a part of. It It does an amazing mixture of real-life characters that are rooted in reality and also completely new original characters that are tied in and woven through this giant narrative that they are telling. I think it's incredibly impressive. Plus, actually, Ren Schmidt, who is in in your rec center, Nope, as Steven Yeun's character's wife, is one of the main characters oh, no of All Mankind. No yeah. kidding. No so, kidding. Right on. Nice little connection there. You and I were just talking about how great Apple TV is up during our news oh, segment. Oh, yeah. Seriously. And there's two episodes left in season three that have yet to air. I'm very much anticipating this coming Friday, um, because it's quite a crazy time right now. What's going right on? on. on Wait, this wh- show. what season did you say they're on? They're on the third season. They're on the third season. Okay, well, hey, I got your Apple TV login. I think this one might be one I need to binge because I've seen promos for this. It looked interesting to me whenever I've seen things about it, but you, I've got the stamp of approval now, so I gotta go. I gotta go after it. Yeah, please go. I don't know how it's not the most popular show on television. To be honest with you, I mean, it is just people underestimate Apple TV, Garrett. Not us, though. We are we are artists. I can't wait to do our our rematch battle of the streaming services. Yes, dude. TV is gonna be top three, probably. Maybe it's so good. I mean, uh, all right. Well, I need to watch this show first, and then I'll update my own personal listings. There you go. Exactly. You need to get educated. You need yes, to get yes. Background homework for the podcast. Exactly. How... It's for it's tax deductible. That's what I keep telling the IRS. <laughs> Uh, that $5 a month for Apple TV <laughs> yeah. that you bum off of me. Um, <laughs> exactly. I'm doing you a favor, Garrett. <laughs> uh, well, I think that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at PCR underscore podcast. Email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Interact with us in any capacity that you can on whatever platform you're listening on because it really helps the show out. And, Seamus, I think you know what our 100th episode next week is. 
Nightmare Alley. Good night, everybody. And then we fade out on the band and the clapping. <laughs> there we go. So uh, I had to get it in before episode 100. I think I think this bit dies with 100. I think we're done here until no, we actually. No, I don't think. No. I think it never dies. <laughs> Oh god, we we show up to our real episode 100, our maniac diesel fest. Do we have an official name for it yet? <clears throat> Vin Diesel's All Gas Episode 100 Marathon. <laughs> Perfect. It is going to be seven grueling mumbling movies in a it's row. It's eight. You are wrong. It is eight. <laughs> it is eight. It's the three triple X movies. <laughs> it's the three Riddick movies. It's the last Witch Hunter, and it's Bloodshot. God help us. It is going to be the marathon to end all marathons until we do the next marathon, which is maybe Star Trek. But I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very horrible, amazing time, and I, I cannot wait. If you enjoyed the delirium of our Fast and the Furious episodes, at least those were all one general continuity. Because here, we will be watching in chronological order of release date two different trilogies plus two separate Standalone films. Standalone movies, All yeah. starring the same man, but they won't be in order. So we'll be jumping from a Riddick to a Triple X to a Last Witch Hunter to another Triple X to another Riddick. We're going to be so confused. It's going to be fantastic. Corona's galore, folks. Don't you even worry. That (laughs) stays. That stays. Fountain of Corona. (laughs) Do they make kegs of Corona? No. We're spoiling things. We're spoiling things. If you follow, make sure, actually, this is a good opportunity for me to plug this. Go ahead and follow uh, at PCR underscore podcast on Twitter, but also Seamus and I at, uh, I'm at Straw the Garrett on Twitter, and you are at Walk of Seamus on Twitter, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will also be live tweeting our experiences. So if you don't just want to hear, if you want to see the insanity, because there will be multiple visual gags happening. Oh, 100%. I've got my clippers ready uh, at my hairline right now, Garrett. (laughs) Family. 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 That's what I'm crying and just chanting family as I shave my head ritualistically. Uh, I am absolutely thrilled to be uh, finally doing this. We've been we've been planning this for months now. It's the most excited I've ever been about hurting myself mentally that I have ever been before. So until then, uh, you're all our family. Adios, family. It's the stupidest way to sign off the <laughs> the boys episode. <laughs> the boys episode. Uh, oh.